Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for Him and His purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Hey everybody, uh, Jimmy Seibert here with our Passion and Purpose podcast, and uh, I am so excited today to be with my dear friend Drew Stebman. Uh, Drew serves as our U.S. Director for Church Planting. He loves Jesus, loves his family, loves the Antioch Movement, and the Body of Christ. And um, out of that desire, he wrote a new book, just came out, Drew, called The Gospel According to Culture, and a kind of powerful title. But hey, tell us a little bit about what's in your heart about all this and what God's doing in you through writing this book. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. Uh, so it was something I actually learned from you um, a long time ago, that there's always a story behind the story. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized is in ministry, you know, we feel stuff, we see stuff. And almost every single time, it's not just what's happening in front of me, but it's how we got to that point. There's beliefs, there's ways we've operated, and it's taking a step back is really powerful and insightful. And so... You know, in my own just personal journey in God and growing up when I did and how I did, I I felt this internal wrestle of I want the kingdom. And it was really at at Antioch at my first year of college. God rocked my world. And so I've wanted to follow the kingdom. And I see Christian culture, which is what I grew up in. And there's a lot that I appreciate in that. But there's also challenges. And I think things that we all could point out that that's not fully what God's called us to. So I find myself reacting to that. Then I see secular culture and I have concerns there, but you know, there's some truth at times as well. And it's like, how do I, in the midst of all that, find God? And it's been the last year, two years, I feel like it's been more and more, I find more languages. I've just thought about this, experienced this. And I started at first, uh, it was about a year ago, God was leading me just for my own personal time with God to write. And so about once a week, I'd go sit in a coffee shop, just write stuff, get all these random thoughts in my brain, put it on paper for my own sake. No intention of mm-hmm. you or anybody else ever seeing it. <laughs> Praise <laughs> God. And yet in that, God, you know, it started to mm-hmm. maybe clarify a little bit. It's a good exercise to do. And I started getting a little bit more clear about what is it that I'm actually feeling and sensing. And so I was just sitting on it, praying into it. And we did this sermon series this last summer. Mm-hmm. We were preaching out of Second Corinthians. And it just so happened that my week was a passage, Second Corinthians 10, talking about strongholds in our mind that are arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. Mm. And so that tied back into all this other stuff I was thinking, and I was like, what are these? And so um, I preached a sermon on it where I introduced some of the concepts that later became the book. And it was the day before I got to this point where I felt like I, this is actually something I think I'd like to write a book about. Mm. I'd previously written a book um, called Go Make Disciples and enjoyed the process, but just hadn't felt anything necessarily. I thought, yeah, maybe someday. But it was the day before I preached, I crossed that line where I said, okay, I actually think this is something I feel led to do. But I just felt this personal conviction of I don't need to go make that happen. I'll just trust God with it. Mm-hmm. So very next day, um, I preach. I get a text from David, who runs Clear Day Publishing, who's at church. And out of the blue, just texted me and said, hey, I think you got a book there. Let's meet and talk about it. And mm-hmm. so it was just this cool, I felt like, all right, this is the Lord. I need to sit and um and so that's that's what got this whole journey started so so it's always awesome when we sense the hand of god right we've got ideas we all have desires but when we sense god's hand moving us 
it gives us that extra juice to say, all right, it's, it, let's go for it. Let's, let's move forward. Well, I know that, that in the process you went through several edits and several, uh, several ideas and all that, but kind of what was your, what's your main point, you know, your landing points? Well, you keep coming back to, I know in the book about these phrases about the kingdom of God, what does the kingdom of God look like versus these two cultures? So kind of clarify that again for me in, in my mind. Sure. What are we shooting for here in the book? I think part of following Jesus and being a disciple is learning how to live in a kingdom reality, not in a worldly re- reality. Right. Every one of us, we adopt cultural strongholds, to use Paul's language. He's talking about a castle in enemy territory. And in warfare in that day, you didn't win a victory until you knocked down the castle. And so even though, Jesus, I'm declaring him my king, there's a right. fullness of victory that happens when the castle gets knocked down. Mm-hmm. The problem is that's going to look different. So. You could have a Hindu, you could have a Muslim, you could have an atheist, you could have a Christian even, somebody who grew up culturally Christian. We all have strongholds, which are ways of thinking. And what Jesus is calling us to is a kingdom way of thinking by the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. And that's what we're invited into in following God. I think the vast majority of people, we're not aware of the stronghold. We don't even have language for it. We don't even know what it is. And those things set themselves up against us fully knowing God. So what I'm calling us back to is what does a kingdom lifestyle look like? Not, you know, we're all influenced by culture and part of that can be healthy, but if we got down to the core of it, are we really living out of a kingdom perspective or are we living out of whatever cultural stronghold we got? And I think a kingdom perspective ultimately is anchored in the gospel that I am dead to myself in Christ, resurrected to new life with him. I'm invited into this thing called the people of God, the church. And then what I'm doing is I am sacrificially loving others. Mm -hmm. And it's in that that I find the fullness of life, not in chasing my dream or looking good to somebody else or whatever other things our world tells us lead to satisfaction. So so our audience probably is mainly people dealing with the Christian culture, like how do I deal with secular culture, Christian culture, because that's most of the people that are probably listening to this podcast today. What would you say the top two or three strongholds that you've seen that uh, that we're dealing with as believers that in some sense want to know God, want to follow God? We've got our culture over here. What are our strongholds that you could help us with through the book and even today? I got two I'll, I'll point out. One is I think for, um, I had a guy, I was actually teaching on this at one of our training schools and a guy, uh, a little older, you know, been around um, Christian culture for longer. And he was excited because I'm talking about, you know, worldview. And um, this is actually a more common topic back in the 1980s in Christian circles. You don't hear much about it as much these days. And he was like, hey, so when do we finally get, you know, he was saying, my generation, we talked a lot about truth. When do we get to talk about truth again? And I liked that. There's, there's elements of that that I agree with, but my reply was, I think the problem was you talked about truth, but the church as a whole didn't live the truth you talked about. Yeah. So my generation, I'm technically an old millennial. I look at that and it's hard for me to acknowledge the truth of what was said if it wasn't actually lived. Mm-hmm. And I think that's who we are as Antioch. We've always been, we want to be people who do the kingdom. Right. And ultimately when we live, even if the world doesn't agree with us, but if we will live what we claim to believe, there's tremendous power on that. Mm. But it doesn't matter how much we proclaim truth. If we don't model it, if we don't look like Jesus, if we're not about the kingdom, then it doesn't matter how true your message is. You're not, there's no power to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the core of, I think, who we're called to be as a movement is we do the stuff. So so in the book, you, you often talk about cultural Christianity and kind of how it's shaped our lives versus authentic Christianity or kingdom orientation. So that's a that's a big deal. So you got a couple examples in that loop where you would say, hey, this is cultural, this is kingdom. 
I think there's a ton of them that we could that we could point out. Cultural Christianity to me is about appearance mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And it starts with behavior, external behavior. So there's people who I think are very authentic of they want to have good external behavior, but it's more about conforming to a standard. Kingdom, I may still have some of those same standards, right. but it's actually about a relationship with the person of Jesus mm-hmm. and a new creation, new life in him. Mm-hmm. So even though we can agree on something, like, yeah, we're gonna have moral standards, that I'm not gonna look at pornography. You know, sure. I think it would apply in both areas. But where I see this the most is it's not just what are the bad things I'm going to avoid, though those are important. But to me, when we're at that point, we're already losing at one level. Right. It's about the pursuit of mm-hmm. following God and looking like him. So it's not just about me not engaging in sexual immorality, though that is a boundary. It's about me striving and contending to be the kind of man of God that sacrificially loves other people and serves them and wants to be holy as God is holy because I'm in love with him, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's the, it's the fullness of an actual life in Jesus, not just looking like it on the outside. Right. So then, so we talked about that, that stronghold of proclaiming some truths that we basically agree to versus living those out, out of our passion for Jesus. So what's another one, uh, just as religious people that you would challenge us with? I think another one would be, uh, let's take marriage. Okay. So I think one of the things you saw, you know, there's pros and cons in this, because I think in cultural Christianity, there was a commitment, which we need to get back to that, you know, of even if your marriage is a mess, let's, there's an element of commitment that's holy and right. Right. And that's, that's good. I think what happened was people were okay with, as long as you showed up and sat next to each other by church, mm. at church and didn't get a divorce, right. whatever happened in the home, you know, was your business and that's mm-hmm. fine. And so well, you, you see that on two sides. You see there's probably a lack of community challenge at times, but there's also an internal, like, I'm not going to go self-disclose. You know, it's, I'm doing my duty. I'm looking good on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I look at that. I think, okay, that's a very, very basic starting point that mm-hmm. you're going to stick together. Praise God for that. And let's push into what does a kingdom marriage actually look like? Mm-hmm. So what does it actually mean to... Um, really lay down your life for each other and Mm -hmm. that sense of mutual submission and loving as Christ loved the church and all these different things. How do we press into that? Uh, What scares me is I think our secular culture saw the flaws. You know, they look at the the Christian... um, Yeah, they look at that and they're like, well, you guys are living a lie, basically. Your marriages are a mess, you know, and so let's just forget that and not do marriage at all. And I think that's even more destructive. So it's like we've got these polar opposites. Both of them are missing the point. The point is... What does marriage look like for those who are in Christ? Mm. So, so we talked about kind of our motivation to, for authenticity. We talked a little bit about marriage as an example would be one of those, hey, this has got to be real. And uh, we need the kingdom. We need Jesus, not just secular and religious ideas, but we need a kingdom perspective. So most people are dealing with a lot of issues every day they go to work all the challenges, all the voices, all the deals. How is the book helping us see kind of how to live at work and how to address our friends who don't know Jesus and where we're trying to grapple with that? So here's going to be a, even though most of us are in Christian culture that are listening to this, I actually think the predominant influence today for Christians is humanism. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the worldviews I talk about. And so I don't think most people are aware of it even. I think we've actually Christianized humanism where um, if you pick up the book, you'll see, but it's this idea that I want to live true to myself. I want to try to be good to others. And I'm going to do that all in my own power. Mm. And where that gets popularized is I'm going to go chase my dream. I'm going to pursue happiness. I'm going to, you know, all this different kind of stuff. 
and I'm going to live for my passions. And what's challenging is there is truth in that at one level. Right. God did make you unique. God put dreams on sure. your heart that are of him. And I affirm all of that. But fundamentally, is life about you? And I think the number one stronghold that I think is actually more humanistic is we have made it to where we are the authority and life is about us. Mm. So I show up at work every day and it's about me with my goals, my career, my dream, mm-hmm. my whatever. And that's not the kingdom. Mm-hmm. The kingdom is I show up, Jesus, I'm all for right. you. I'm yeah. on the cross today. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I've been asking myself the question, what if my greatest purpose in life is something outside of my giftings or my passions? Mm-hmm. Am I okay with that? That's so yeah. sacrilegious in our humanistic culture. Sure. But do we, do we have these demands of God that we're going to self-actualize, sure. get to do all the stuff we love to do, have this great job that we want to have and show up every day and love our work? And I want that for you. Don't get me wrong. Sure. It's just at the core of who I am, is my life about me? Am I on the throne? Or is it really about surrender? And here's my conviction is when I die is when I find life. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I think that's a really significant verse for, I'll say, my generation and younger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We need to embrace that. And that's been my life experience is actually when I've surrendered, right. that's the doorway mm-hmm. into who God's made me to be. Not when I go say, I want my own, you know? And so I think, you know, show up at work today. And what does it look like to say, Jesus, my life's all yours. Right. I follow you today. And it mm-hmm. might be something that initially feels like a sacrifice, but if you say yes to him, it's a step of faith where you're trusting, I'm not in control anymore. He's going to lead me in who he's called me to be. Awesome. Wow. Well, um, we're just kind of scratching the surface here on uh, kingdom culture, secular culture, religious culture. Um, but maybe just lastly, as we wrap up today's podcast, the gospel according to culture, get it on Amazon everywhere uh, that they sell books. Um um, but what would you, in the end, somebody who picks up this book and reads it, in the end, what do you want them to walk away with? What I would love, first of all, is awareness. Mm-hmm. I, the, that passage I referenced earlier, we don't wage weapons with the weapons of this world. Mm-hmm. So it's not about power struggles and all the different stuff. I think for the believer, it starts with recognizing I have a stronghold. And mm-hmm. I want to challenge all of us. If mm-hmm. you don't know what your stronghold is, right. I'm guessing your stronghold still defines you. Yes. And so sure. until God illuminates that, and it's not just navel gazing, it's by sure. the spirit of God. It's not weapons of this sure. world. I trust the Holy Spirit. So I would mm. challenge every person, take a moment, wait on the Lord. What is my stronghold? Mm. And I hope that, and I pray, and this is what's in my heart with this book, is it gives us some language to talk about our strongholds a little bit more. Now, that's step one. Uh, I think step two to this is, I, I read this quote by a guy named Andy Crouch, and it's really stuck with me that the only way to change a culture is to create more of it. Mm, we can't yeah. just change culture by pointing out all the bad. We actually have to live something different. Mm-hmm. And that's our legacy as believers. Jesus created a new culture out of all these existing things. And he joined us together in this thing called his church and the kingdom. And I, I think this is the legacy that we have as part of Antioch is what we fight for is we want to have a culture of discipleship. Mm-hmm. We're all in for Jesus. Right. We love Jesus. We follow him. It's not about reacting against the world. It's about pursuing the person of Jesus. Right. And that's my, that would be my second part of this challenge is you can analyze all you want, what your worldview is at the end of the day, that's not going to make the difference. What's going to make the difference is you walking with other believers contending for the person of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And when that's your focus, you do need language to understand what's going on in the world around you, but we need to be proactive pursuing him, Mm -hmm. not just reactive pointing out what's going wrong in secular or Christian America. Awesome. Well, Hey, 
uh, hopefully this stirs your heart, uh, not only to pursue Jesus and be authentic, but pick up the book and let it change you and your family and the way that we live life. And I'm just so grateful for you guys listening again today. Uh, We look forward to more podcasts here in the future. Bless you guys as you love Jesus and pursue his purposes in your life. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmycybert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time.